Edit this part out, Hunter, okay? You're <laughs> just going to hate me? Is that what I say? <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, guys. I'm Jordan Froman. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take it. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? And thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got Hunter alongside me tonight. How you doing tonight, Hunter? Oh, it's just another beautiful day in paradise. Another beautiful day in paradise. So the guest for today, we're going to be having Ben from Motion Ducks, uh, a longtime favorite of the podcast um, uh, and a, a longtime partner of the podcast as well. He is the owner of Motion Ducks. And guys, if you don't know what the Motion Ducks is, which you should, but it is the jerk rig on steroids, putting ripples and great motion into your set, helping you fool those late season birds um, and getting more birds decoying in your set and a lot of other stuff, a lot of other stuff. We talk about it all through the podcast. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's give some updates. we got any updates, Hunter? Uh, you're out of season now, right? I'm, I'm out of season. The only update I have is that I got a week off from work now and I'm going to (laughs) try to chase some geese, but it's, uh, right now it's 52 degrees and raining outside. So not really good field hunting goose weather for me. And so we'll see if we get on any geese in the next week. Hopefully. I, I hope I get on. I want one goose hunt. That's what I want. Cause I've only shot right. five geese this year. So I want one good goose hunt this over break. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, uh, I've had, um, I've had one recent hunt where we shot some geese and besides that, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good while since I've shot geese. Um, we shot some on opener. I think that's the last time Indiana <laughs> opener is the last time we shot geese. Uh, but that just the few we shot that day on the water, I mean, decoying right in, we had some really good shots. We let that one get away, but, um, yeah, it was, it, uh, it a little fire under me. I'm ready for late goose season. Um, but I don't think they're ready for us. There's the migration no. still not here. Um, but it, it is looking, it is looking like we're going to get cold on the second part or the, the second part, the end of our second split, mm-hmm. um, which is coming up. So yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm hoping for the best. If I can just get on a couple, and I'm I'm just crossing my fingers. This season's been so bad um, for the migration, but with the cool temperatures coming down, if I could just get on like a limit or two to really end the season strong, I think that uh you know help me swallow the the bitter pill this season's been locally anyway. Uh, yeah, we started off so great, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, and you're talking about the first week of season, except for the other day it was your first geese. I haven't shot a goose since our early goose season, since before our mm. early split. So before mm. duck season even started was the last time I shot at a goose or shot a wow. goose. We just, they just never used the fields. It's been too warm and then they just didn't pattern in the fields. And as soon as you thought you had one pattern, you'd go out the next day and be like, all right, double check the pattern. No, not there. They're gone. They're doing right. something else. And it's just, it was hard. Right. Yeah, that's the thing about those warm days. They are a lot harder to pattern because they don't have to feed mm-hmm. as often. They don't have to feed every day. Um, there's nothing really driving them to do that, and and they're going to do whatever they need to survive. And if not feeding is better for them to survive, then that's what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like I said, it was rough, and it's kind of a bitter pill to swallow considering I shot like almost 40 geese last year. And then I go to that to five and like, I don't even remember the last goose I shot, you know, like I, it's right. been so long ago. I don't even remember the hunt. Like I don't remember anything about it and it's just, right. it sucks. 
That's the same way with mallards, though, man. I shot, you know, I, I, every year. I think the the heavy load of my duck season is mallards. Just the area we live, we don't get a a, a wide variety. You know, we get teal early season, we get goose early season, then we get some wood ducks, and then the bulk of our season is mallards. And then late season, we get back to the geese. So yeah, my mallard numbers this year, I think we can say that. And just for most people across the country, I, w- I would assume um, just haven't shot just haven't shot the mallard numbers as well. No. no, I mean, I know my mallard numbers are way, way down too. I think I, I was somewhere around 40 some mallards last year. And I think I shot 15 total between hens and drakes. Granted, one of them was banded. So like, we're going to count that for 20 on our own, but like, right. yeah, except for that one. I mean, I just really, I think I only shot two days where I shot a four, a four bird limit of mallards here, which is mm. just so wild. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I'm banless this year too, man. So it's, uh, <laughs> I've been stuck at number 11 for a while. <laughs> Stuck at number 11 for a while here. Let me play the world's smallest violin over here for you. <laughs> oh, come on, man. How many, uh, how many bands have you shot? I guess I don't even know. Uh, so I've shot three technically in the last two years, a dove, a wood duck and a mallard. And, but they've all been in the last two years. So I hunted for, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. Never, sh- never shot a band, only been a part of a couple hunts where bands were shot. And in the last two years, I've shot three bands. So, mm. I'm bound for another, I don't know, like 45-year dry streak now if you do the math on the averaging out of that. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what I thought. And in, in my first four years, I shot zero. And next four years, I've shot 11. So, um, <laughs> My dad. Also, I shot a lot more a lot more birds in my second four seasons than my first four seasons. <laughs> yeah. My dad has been hunting for, oh, I mean, 35, 40 years. I mean, if not a lot, a long time. Since he was in college is when he really got into waterfowl hunting. And, uh, he's 60 now and he's never shot a banded bird. And so like, Mm. and what's funny is that the, uh, the hen I shot this year, it came in with a Drake and him and my cousin both shot the Drake. And then I shot the hen cause it was like on my side of the blind, everybody else picked out the Drake. I was like, ah, cool. I'll shoot the hen. And so we went out and picked it up and she was banded and, uh, he was, he was a little, little bit low less words being spoken the rest of the hunt he was kind of he was, he was i shouldn't say upset but like you know you could tell he was a little bit ticked he's a like little damn yeah 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 so and then like like last year i shot that banded wood duck and i sent him a video of it and he was like you know the, the one hunt i don't go on the one hunt on a weekday you know i just didn't go and yeah so right. he hasn't shot a banded goose or anything and so it'll be i hope I hope I'm there when he shoots his first one because I think he's going to put his gun away and just be done hunting for the day. He could be his first bird. And I think he'll just be done, but we'll see. Nice. Yeah, my dad hasn't hunted near as much as, as you, but I, whenever we talk about bands and how many bands people have shot and who hasn't shot bands and all that, I always think of him because I know he really wants to shoot one. And, uh, you know, he hasn't he hasn't shot – he doesn't get to get out as much as me. So he just hasn't shot the bird numbers to, to get a band. You know, it, it, it takes – for the most part, it takes a lot of it's it's a numbers game, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, the more birds you shoot, the more likely you are to shoot a band. So that's kind of what I've always kind of had in mind. I'm like, okay, well, just eventually he's going to get one just by the numbers. Um, but the funny story is, I took my brother in law out last year, and um, he hasn't hunted very much at all. And I, I honestly I don't know how many times he's hunted. He's hunted with me maybe a half a dozen times now, um, and. <laughs> they've been like for whatever reason he gets on like the poor hunts where we just shoot like a couple or he came up earlier this year and i'm like 
we'll go, man, but I don't think we'll shoot anything. So, and of course we got skunk two days in a row. I mean, you just don't have birds around. Um, but last year he got on a banger of a field hunt, you know, and, uh, it was just, it was just great. Tons of birds working. Um, and he, uh, shot a band. It was, <laughs> it was one of those where you could definitely tell that he was the person that shot it too, which is, it's kind of like how we talked with uh, Ben later on in this podcast where it's really nice when someone can tell that it's their bird, especially something like a band mm-hmm. didn't draw for it. Nothing like that. Like we saw him, you know, roll this bird and the birds all finished off to the right side of the blind. So not a bunch of people could shoot. Um, and he just, it was one lone shot right there at the end and he just rolled this goose and, uh, he runs out there and I jokingly say anything shiny on his leg. And he's like, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, it's like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, he's, uh, that, yeah, man. And, and then when we told my dad, of course he was like, I can't remember his exact words, but his demeanor, you can tell like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me that he goes out barely any hunts and he's the one that shoots a, a shoots a banded bird before me. Yeah, man, you know those like uh, the the fake bands that you can get and like the joke oh, ones yeah. that say like you've been pranked and stuff like that. Yeah, man, if I had like a little bit less morals, I'd put one on a bird that my dad right. shot. But I'm so worried to like give him a heart attack and then he'll hate me forever <laughs> if he finds out that it's a joke. Like right. I don't think I he could handle it. I, I literally think that's too far. That joke <laughs> is too far. So you, you think uh, that one's too far? I do. I really do. Like if if someone would have done that to me, because I know the experience I shot. I mean, I shot a good amount of birds in my first season, like, Mm -hmm. you know, probably doubled it in my second four seasons, but still, I mean, we're talking hundreds of birds in the first four seasons and I was, I wanted a band so bad. I would have probably like, (laughs) like if someone would have done that to me, I would just grab my blind bag and gun and like walked off, like (laughs) you know what I mean? It just, it would have, it would have hurt too bad. So I know that like, I can't do that to somebody else that, that cares as much about waterfowl as me. Yeah, I've thought about it so many times. I've even bought them and then like talked myself out of it on the hunt, like put them in my blind bag and been like, man, I can't do this to my poor dad. Like that, I'd feel bad forever about this. Right. Definitely. So anyways, talking about the YouTube videos, I want to remind you guys, now we're doing video podcasts every week um, or every, every episode. That's our goal anyway, every single episode to be a video podcast. Um, the turnout great. You guys are enjoying them. Um, we're making some shorts over there too on the duck gun podcast, YouTube channel. So you want to jump over there, see some video versions of the audio podcast. You know, there's your, uh, there's your cue to do it. Also, I want to remind you that next week will be the final time. I'm going to do one more video where you got a chance to, um, enter in for, the shotgun giveaway. This this is going to come out on like Tuesday, so you're going to have barely any time. By Tuesday night, you got to be commenting on something um, to have a chance to be in the drawing for the Weatherby Element shotgun. And then the next video will be releasing uh, or inter- announcing. There's the word I'm looking for. Announcing who won uh, the giveaway. So there's your last. This is your last. I'm, I'm giving you fair warning. I don't want to leave leave anybody out. Um, that your chance to win the Weatherby Element Shotgun because it's awesome. So all yeah. that being said, let's jump into the podcast or the, the, the actually, sorry, let's 
give a quick thanks to the partners of the podcast, then we'll jump into the main meat of the podcast. So first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Weatherby makes some awesome shotguns for the waterfowl hunter. Um, I'm in love with the side-by-side shotgun, uh, the Weatherby Orion SXS. Uh, I've, you know, I, I started the season hunting it like crazy. Then I jumped back to semi-automatic and then I jumped back to the side-by-side. I just shoot it so well. It shoulders great. Um, there's been a handful of times where it could have used a third shot. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. That's just part of waterfowl hunting. There is an advantage to having, um, but it's been, it's been minuscule. It's been just barely ever. I'm like, okay, like four or five times maybe where I'm like sitting there and here was a bird flying by in range um, that I could have shot at if I had a semi-automatic. But anyways, I'm getting, I'm getting carried away with rabbit trails here. Uh, they have the 18i as well. And then the one we're giving away, um, they have the Weatherby element as well. So, Definitely check them out, guys. They've been known forever for their excellence in rifles, and now they're uh, they're being known as well for their excellence in waterfowl shotguns. I'm also like to give a big thanks to Onyx, guys. Onyx they make um, a, an app for the waterfowl hunter. Uh, it gives great information. Uh, you can click on it. You can get landowner information, tax information to get their address. You walk up to their door, knock on it. It just increased my permissions. Um, immensely. So as a waterfowl hunter, you just, you can't hunt without it. So, I mean, you can, but it, it helps so much that you shouldn't like, let's just be honest, get, mm-hmm. get on X and, uh, <laughs> you'll never look back. Also like to be, give a big thanks to final approach, the one-stop shop for the waterfowl hunter. They have all the gear you need from decoys, uh, to waders, to blinds. Um, so they got, they got a panel, a new panel blind this year, um, that I'm getting rigged up ready for goose season. Um, they got, uh, you name it, they got it. They got, uh, silhouettes, you know, we're talking late goose, late goose season. Uh, they got three different styles of floaters more than that, I should say. Um, but anyways, go over there, guys. They make great product, um, for the duck hunter and you can use code duck gun over at fabrand.com for all your waterfowl needs. Um, and then our guest for today, we got Ben from motion ducks. Uh, guys, uh, he's an upstanding guy with a great company, with a great product. Um, it's always a joy having him on the podcast. Always a, a joy to hear uh, all the different ways that they've been using the product and finding success and all the customers that use it that are finding success. And I couldn't agree with him more, but we're going to go over a ton of stuff um, in this podcast. But guys, it's the it's the uh, best tool to finish late season birds that are wary um, just the advantage it gives you is unbelievable. So, uh, you can go over to motionducks.com slash nut gun, get the free anchor bag over there and then get your code 10% discount. Combine those two together. The code is duck gun 10. Um, guys, you won't regret it. If you, if you're not sold, you know, just listen to the podcast and you will be by the end of it. Cause he's, uh, I don't know. It's just, once you start using it, you'll never, you'll never, uh, you'll never want to hunt without it. And uh, there'll be times where you do because you get lazy and then you'll be out there and you have birds that don't finish birds that don't finish. And you'll be like, why, why did I come out here on this hunt without the motion deck? So anyways, let's go ahead, get Ben. He's on the line waiting for us. We'll jump over there (laughs) and uh, have that part of the podcast now. So here we go. Alrighty folks, we are back here on the duck gun podcast. We got Ben from motion ducks. Um, a common face around here. We're glad to have you back. How you doing, Ben? Very good. Very good. How are you guys? 
doing great, doing great. Uh, you know, I could uh, I could complain a little bit, you know, but uh, <laughs> especially yeah. when it comes to the weather we've been having. But you know, um, definitely. Oh, we'll get weather. into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Glad glad we're right around here around the Christmas holiday and, and all that. So you know, there's not too much to complain about. Yo. So how's your season been going, Ben? Actually, pretty slow. If we're gonna if we're gonna talk complaining, <laughs> yeah, uh, very slow this year. Extremely right. slow. It's been, I think, the hottest December this area has had in a couple decades. It's it's been crazy warm. Mm. Still in the forties right now, and I th- I think it's pretty warm up in Canada still. So. We have not seen a lot of birds. We've had a handful of good hunts, but no, overall it's yeah. been pretty slow. Pretty slow. Right. We've For been those in, that know. Uh, we've been in the same boat here as well with with the uh, the unseasonably warm weather. Yeah. I actually saw yeah. an infographic um, about it was the three different holidays. Halloween was like a, a low of uh, like twenty eight. Then Thanksgiving was a low of thirty eight. And now the, yeah. the predicted weather for Christmas is uh is a I think it's like a low of forty eight. So it's just as the holidays and as the season has gone this year, um, we've gone in weather. the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah, we have, yeah. we have, and so it's for a normal person. The normal person, you're not upset about that oh, at all. But for life. a duck hunter, oh man, no, it's the worst year ever. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we we have felt the effects up in Washington for sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Has it been drought or just just uh, not warm or, or not cold weather? Yeah, no, we've actually got more rain than usual as well. So oh, okay. where we're at, it, there's been plenty of water, but um, not just the warmth. It's just been so, so warm. Birds aren't moving. Unbelievable. Yeah. Right. Right. And you get that uh, that new property and it's, uh, you know, it's uh, you're not getting to put it to full the full advantage of it uh, here here this year. Yeah, not. No, definitely not yet. We'll see, though. I mean, we still have some season left. We're pretty hopeful, especially if we can hopefully January, we can see some some cold weather come in. Right. And uh, and shoot some birds in January. Last year, it was a bit of the opposite. We were you know, we had an awesome November, December. And we froze out in uh, actually pretty much by the end of November. And so a lot of the birds had pushed through by January. So January was pretty slow for us last year. But this year, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get some weather and we can shoot some birds in January. Right, right. It's one of those things where it's uh, usually kind of a waiting game. And at some point, I mean, you can't hold it off forever. You can't hold that cold Mm -hmm. winter weather off forever and it, it seemed you know the fortunate thing for guys that live in the pacific flyway like yourself i mean you get 110 days so yeah in the mississippi <laughs> flyway we're relegated to 60 days so hunter over here's his Dang. duck season's already over and i got yeah. nine days coming back um we open up for nine days in our second split right after christmas but it's mm, probably gonna so be you a guys are done early yeah so hunter yours is I've been you're done, done huh Dang. Yeah, I've been done for over a week. It's been like a week and a half since my last day of season. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. yeah we would, got uh, a January a little... 20, 28th, 27th, whenever that last weekend is. Oh, man. So we got lots of time. Lots of time. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous of that. I'm jealous of that for sure. I'm, I'm glad we got a, a split because a lot of times that saves us. 
Um, here, our second split is going to look like we're going to get just the tail end of it. We're going to get kind of cold, um, nothing like crazy, no cold, giant cold front. But, you know, this time of year, it seems like that can still get some birds coming, um, any amount of cold. So we're hoping, mm-hmm. we're hoping. But uh, Hunter, un- unfortunately, in Iowa, they just do 60 days straight. So it's just they start. Then 60 days and it's over. Then it's yeah. done. Yeah, we get one like one week long break right at the beginning. You know, Jordan, you guys have like a late break. Our break is we get a weekend essentially and then we have a break and then it's the rest of the season just straight through. Okay, wow. that's right. Yeah, you get a you have a, a weekend and then you you're yeah, going for mm-hmm. whatever 58 days. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So you've been uh have you got your family out on any hunts? Uh, on your new property this year, Ben? Yeah, yeah, we've had a couple of family hunts. Actually, our opening weekend hunt was awesome. It was awesome. And that was a big family hunt. We had, I, mean, I think we had, um, I don't know, 15, 14 or 15 in the blind. And so that was, oh, wow. that was wild. We actually ended up splitting up, but, um, but that was a great hunt. And then, like I said, we've had a couple other good hunts. We have had a couple of, a couple of little bouts of cold weather and each time has brought a few birds down. But, um, but really, I mean, really we've shot birds. We've had a good hunt. I'd say three times this year. That's it. Beyond that, Mm. you know, we may not pull the trigger or we may, you know, go shoot one or two birds type of a thing. Right. Right. I feel you on that. It's always fun though, getting family out on hunts. And that's one thing I've, love seeing on, on your content. I know you had some videos last year with uh, the whole crew out there and that, that was yeah, pretty cool yeah. to see. Um, I got my, I'm getting, I'm just starting to get some hunters in the family. Uh, I've been taking my nephew out. He's 10 um, and he's shooting, shooting a single shot four ten. Um, and unfortunately yeah, awesome. he, he shot, I'm, I've lost track of how many times he shot, but it's, you know, it hasn't been a ton. I'm, we're talking like four or five shots this year. Um, mm-hmm. And he hasn't connected yet. So. Oh, yeah. That first bird, man, that first bird. Shot. Do you guys remember yeah. the first bird you ever shot? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like ingrained in my head. Actually, the first like bird I ever shot out of the air with a shotgun was a quail. And that image is like... Mm. I, and I knew a hundred percent it was me. We were I was hunting with a bunch of guys. I, I must have been probably like 11 or 12. And it was, you know, a bunch of these older teenage guys and then my dad and a couple of his friends. So older, you know, older men. And I was the only one that took the shot. So I knew it was me. <laughs> you know. And oh, man, so great. Just seeing it collapse out of the air. That was that was one of my one of my best hunting memories was the very first bird I shot. So we try to do that a lot with especially younger hunters or first time hunters, because we have a lot of friends and stuff that come out, have never hunted before ever. And I like to let them shoot by themselves, even though that the pressure's on. But when you right. get to shoot and you know that you hit it, man, it it, it is pretty awesome. It's a good, good feeling. <laughs> Definitely. I, that kind of reminds me of uh, the first bird I shot at, which is a similar story. It was at a quell, and my grandpa, uh, he'd keep four uh, English pointers at a time, and we went out. We, it was a Thanksgiving tradition, so we'd go out. I had the single shot, 20-gauge, um, and I'm pretty sure it was my first time. It's hard to remember, but I know that it was my first time that I got to shoot at a bird, and the, the dog's all on point. 
um, and they have me walk up to the front, the front of the group, you know, getting ready before they bust the, um, the cover, the, what do they call it? What do they call it? Quail? Covey? Yeah, Covey Covey? Quail. There we go. Okay. It's, it's been a while. So, um, uh, and they bust them out of there. And I remember I shouldered that shotgun aimed right in the middle of it and pulled the, pulled the trigger, <laughs> fell over backwards. And then they asked, yes. you know, as soon as that happened, then, you know, guns ablazing, all my uncles and my grandpa and my dad shooting and birds falling everywhere. It was a, it was a big covey. And they asked me afterwards if I hit anything. I said, yeah. And they said, well, which one did you aim at? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's when they told me, that's when they told me, oh, you didn't hit one. You, you, didn't. Didn't, hit <laughs> you didn't hit anything. That's funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's, it's like, it's all about family. I love it I is. love hearing about family hunts. I love family hunts. It's it's so cool getting getting my kids uh, and my nephews involved. Yeah. And uh, this year I got to take my daughter too. Unfortunately, it wasn't yeah. like a, a banger hunt or anything, but she got to sit there and I had her right there in the sneak boat, tucked nice. up and hid. How and old is your daughter? Tells next to her. She's uh she's six. Yeah, so, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's still awesome. still pretty young, but she got to sit there, get her involved. She was actually running the motion ducks. That was her job. She said, "Yeah, there sweet." Nice yeah, we we actually the kids definitely like to run the motion ducks because they're like then you can tell them you know you're bringing the birds in, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually yeah, they love so that extra that extra involvement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Our our my um my nephews our our big group kind of family hunts um are the the oldest nephew his name's Hank and he must be. Boy, if I get this wrong, I don't know. He's, let's see, he's got to be 12. Yeah, Hank's got to be 12. And then Jacoby is that next range down. So 10 or 11, somewhere in there. And both of those boys, Hank, Hank is a stud shooter. I mean, he's so good. And Jacoby as well is actually like, he hits some birds. There was a couple hunts um, that opening weekend, a couple of birds that came in. And he was just smoking them. So those two specifically are actually getting quite good and can definitely start to hold their own. And I mean, Hank, he's a, he's a, he's a nut. He, him and his dad go out all the time. I mean, he, yeah, he'll, you can put Hank up against any like adult and he'll hold his own. He's very, very good, but um, it is kind of fun seeing their development, right? From just not hardly shooting at all. My son is nine and, um, he's not quite fully hunting yet, but, uh, but what we do for the younger ones is we'll bring a BB gun and throw, a uh, just a junky old decoy out there and just let them pluck the decoy all day. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of a good way to also that's get them idea. engaged, you know, and just let them put holes in the decoy. And then at the end you'd show them all the right. holes and everything. So that, that's pretty fun as well for the younger <laughs> ones. But yeah, man, family, I mean, one of the best things about duck hunting is, it's so social, right? When you put a stock on a deer or an elk or something like that, it is you alone. And there's something special about that as well. I mean, I'm not taking away from that. Just the difference. You go sit in a blind and you're, you're talking and you're laughing and ducks flying in and you're shooting and making fun of each other for missing. It's very social. So it is a great outdoor sport that allows you to you know, get your kids involved and get that next generation involved. And, and we love that, man. I mean, that's how I started, right? I, my dad took me when I was right. young and, and so here we are. Yeah. 
So how young Definitely. can you think that people should start taking kids and stuff? Like, what do you think the age range is? Obviously, maturity has a deal with this. But like, at what yeah. what age range do you think, generally speaking, people should be getting them in? I mean, I think I think you can take them pretty young. You know, uh, my brother-in-law, Matt, that's Hank's dad. He started taking Hank when Hank was like, I don't know, he's probably three. He, he just oh, super man. young. He would just get him out all the time. And his daughter too, his daughter Liberty, that's my niece. And she's, I mean, she's a pretty great shot too. She's 14 and she's pretty great too. Like they're both very skilled, but, but they've been out very, very, very young. Um, and then of course, as far as them actually starting to hunt, um, you know, my son is nine and he's just not quite there. The gun's still a little heavy for him. He's not quite comfortable with it. So he doesn't really fully hunt yet. Um, and so, you know, I think it's going to depend kid to kid as soon as they start hunting. But yeah, get get him out. Get him out early. I think the first time I ever brought my kids, I mean, Eli was probably five or six. when The first time I ever just simply brought him out. So... Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy yeah, to no, put some earmuffs like, on him. Yeah. yeah. We bring uh, my cousin's kid a couple times this year. His youngest is a boy, and he came out a couple times with us, and we had the BB gun. We were sitting in a panel blind. Yeah. The panel blinds have, like, the holes in the front for you to look through, and he had yeah. the BB gun sticking out, and, like, a group of birds would come in. He'd pull it and stick it through the other side of the panel blinds at the birds in mid-circle <laughs> yes. behind us, and they'd pull it through as they'd finish and stick it through the front. And it was awesome to watch. Yeah, nice. that's sweet. That's sweet. Awesome. Definitely, definitely cool to see. Definitely cool to hear, and and uh, we're definitely big fans of of starting them young and, and getting them out there. And you know, I didn't get I didn't get to hunt until I was quite a bit older, and I got to hunt kind of every Thanksgiving with my grandpa around that like ten, mm-hmm. eleven to twelve year old age till he kind of uh, got the bad health. So it's uh, I don't know, it's just something that I I think because of that, and then after going away from it because um, I didn't have we we weren't really a hunting family, so it was you know kind of something later on that I picked up back again. I'm like, I want to make sure my kids have that opportunity just because of how much, you know, I, I love it. And, and, uh, I, I think that's kind of normal when you, when you're passionate about something, you want to share it with, uh, share it with the people in your life, especially, you know, the ones you care about. So yeah, uh, yeah. Definitely cool to see. Yep. So yeah, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, about the motion duck spreader, Ben. This is, uh, you know, you, you guys have been, um, doing this product for how many years now? Nine years. <laughs> yeah nine probably, it probably has gone by like a snap oh it's unbelievable it's unbelievable it's just like thinking back like how has it already been nine years definitely that's yeah it's, it's pretty cool you know um do you want to just for i mean i know we've had you on the podcast you know a handful of times but mm-hmm. um do you want to do your best just to describe uh the product and its use yeah so i i mean i think the probably the most important aspect of duck hunting as far as getting birds to commit into your decoys is putting motion in the decoys. And that realistic motion, I think is what puts birds at ease the most beyond how quality your decoys are beyond, um, how good of a duck caller you are putting realistic motion in your decoys is key. And, uh, what the motion ducks is, is it's a system that instead of your typical, like single file, uh, like jerk string style motion where you have three or four or five decoys in a straight line. 
the spreader spreads your decoys out and makes them look like they're swimming around in a flock. It's much more natural. It's much more realistic. And so being motion is such an important aspect of your spread. We've just worked to develop what looks the most natural, the most realistic. And then on top of that is just simplicity of use, setting it up being easy because a jerk string is not always super simple to use. If you can wait out, it's pretty easy, but anything else, it, it can kind of get annoying. It can kind of get tangled and stuff like that. So we wanted to simplify the, the use of it. Every time I think about something new in duck hunting, I always think you got to be able to do it in the dark with gloves on, right? That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of the, it's got to be simple enough to, to do that. So yeah, that's, that's motion ducks spreader system kind of in a nutshell, just creating the most realistic, um, decoy motion. And then as a consequence of that, getting more opportunity to shoot birds, decoying more birds in and having more chances. So Hmm, definitely it's kind of, you know, as a, a waterfowler, when I came into the sport, um, one thing that, you know, as a parent, uh, over time is that, that motion in your set is something that I think is easily one of the most overlooked things when it comes to, to duck hunting. Like people just don't think about it or it's not, maybe it's not intuitive when you're, when you're duck hunting, you think about your hide, you think about calling the bird. Um, but as a new waterfowler, that's not one thing that I was Mm -hmm. immediately aware of, but you know, like a great example of this is if you go out on, um, one of those bluebird, no wind days. Mm-hmm. And like you look across the lake and you see maybe just a group of like a dozen mallards or something. Um, you know, the water's not smooth and crystal clear. You see all those ripples where those birds are. You can pick them out from a mile away. You look across and you can actually see all those ripples. And, and I really do think that when mallards fly into a lake, that that's something that they key in just to those ripples and the, and the, the difference that it looks, the, the difference that they see from, from the air. And mm-hmm. I, I'm sure it stands out even more to them seeing all those ripples. So I don't, I don't know why it's something that, that duck hunters, when they first start out, why they, uh, why they overlook that. Do you have yep. any idea, Ben? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it's, it's often overlooked. Um, I think just the idea of you need decoys and you go throw them out and that'll trick the birds. I think people underestimate how smart and how difficult ducks can get and how difficult they can be to actually decoy and bring in. They are extremely intelligent birds. Like, uh, you know, it's almost, um, during dove season, it's almost like it's, it's kind of (laughs) nice. You just go put a chair out. You just sit out there with normal clothes on and they just fly in, right? They're just dumb birds and ducks just aren't like that. They do. They are smart, smart birds. And so I think people underestimate that. So you have to do everything you can to number one, trick the birds. And then number two, out kind of like be a little bit better than the guy that's potentially hunting next to you. Because if he's got a better set up, then you're going to lose birds to him, the, to, to the birds landing on your competitor. Right. So 
Right. You know, I think number one, you got to trick the birds. And number two, you have to look more realistic than the guy next to you. You have to present better. And so I think, I think we always tell people, especially new hunters, we always tell people focus on motion first. And we have a lot of, a lot of customers that will tell us that, I mean, and we do this quite a bit as well, that only hunt with our motion setups, because you can, you can set up, you know, like our double ultimate kit, you can have 14 decoys on one jerk line and they're all moving with one handle and one line. And so, I mean, you get, you can really build some incredible um, moving decoy spreads. And sometimes that is all you need. So you can be competitive with a lot less decoys and, uh, and still pull the birds in. Definitely. Yeah. That's one thing that we've kind of, uh, done as well. Um, the longer we've hunted, the longer we've, um, used the motion duck system, you know, it's, uh, on those no wind days that we talked about, you know, with crystal clear water, um, it's just running that smaller spread. And like you said, um, on one string, if you have multiple attachment points, um, you can put multiple spreaders mm-hmm. on the same string. So you got your bungee at the end with your anchor in the water um, and then immediately above that, you have your first spreader and then you leave enough a gap where they're not going to be bouncing into each other, have another yep. connection point and, and hook on another spreader, um, just to get all that motion, all your decoys moving. Um, and even if you, even if on a day with a little bit more wind, um, if you're going to run a bigger set, you got even that much more ripples going through, yeah. um, your whole spread. So, you know, definitely, that's a, definitely a, a good way. Uh, to run the system. I, I've even done it with, instead of using, you talked about using two ultimates, mm-hmm. um, separating the ultimate, I don't, you know, just trying different things out, but running uh, two of the, the regular spreaders mm-hmm. on that same system, you know, four at the front, or I guess the furthest point, and then four uh, a little bit closer uh, to me as well. Yeah, so, you could even yeah, throw in a couple singles to do it. in between and kind of mix it up that way, right? The, the cool thing is, is right, you yeah. can treat one single spreader just like a decoy, you can hook it up onto a jerk string. You can set it out there and just let it let it float. Especially if the wind kicks up and you don't need to work the jerk line manually, you just go disconnect and leave it floating out there. It can act just like another decoy. So you have a lot of versatility Definitely. because you're not you're you're dealing with uh, you know you know basically you don't have all the weights and anchors. You, you pick up one spreader and there's four birds connected to it, four decoys connected to it. So yeah, you can mix and match and, and do all sorts of stuff. We've, that's how we kind of have come up with a lot of the different methods we use is, you know, just like, Hey, let's try this and see how this looks. And so. Right. Hmm. So got a question for you. What looks better? Long, slow movements or short kind of faster ones to get a lot of ripples out. What do you think works best? I, I, I do the, I definitely do long swimming motions as long as I can until the birds are kind of on top of, of me because I don't want to be moving my arm a lot in the blind. So especially if my cover's not very good, if my cover's really good, I'll keep them, the swimming motion going, but I kind of mix it up as far as, you know, when there are ways out, I want those ripples to be long and, you know, spreading out. Mm -hmm. But when they're close, I'll, I'll just go to little stuff. Um, you know, and sometimes I'll just pull the, 
pull the, you know, the handle back behind me and just wait. And as the birds are committing, let go of the handle and the birds will swim back and then you're free to shoot. Um, but I, I, I think if you go watch birds naturally, they definitely swim, you know, they'll swim in longer lines. So I think the long swimming mm-hmm. motion is ideal, uh, when you can do it, uh, because okay. you, obviously you, you want to, you know, you don't want to have all this motion in the blind moving around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I actually, uh, I like to put a couple, a couple feeder decoys on there at least. Cause I feel like they dig into the water yeah. a little bit. You almost yeah. get that butt up action. Um, so I'll do, as soon as they turn, like you said, you're working them, they're circling you. Um, as soon as they circle away and you're thinking they're like about to commit, I'll do some really quick ones. Mm-hmm and try to get some some fast motion where they're not looking at you. Um, and then, like you said, because you, you can't be doing the ripples when they're looking at you. And then you can just, like you said, pull it as far as your bungee will let you. And then and just let it, it go. And your hands yeah. free. Yep. Let, yep. Yep. So it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of fun game to play, um, you know, while they're circling you because you're trying to do all that in the right in the right way and not spook them and get the most ripples um, and get that lifelike motion. So yeah. Um, yeah and make sure your dog's not freaking out trick to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot going on. So what's, man. Uh, what's the biggest, right. <laughs> so you, you've heard from a lot of customers over, over the years, you know, doing it, but what's like the biggest plus you're hearing from customers, um, that are using it. I would say the, the biggest thing we hear as far as what gets the customers the most excited is when you're hunting really educated birds. So that's a lot of late season stuff. And then a lot of public land, like, like heavy pressure, public land stuff. Um, because man, the birds get so smart and it can be very, very difficult to decoy them. And I think that's where we've seen our customers express the most excitement. Like we've had, we were at a sportsman show one time and these, these guys came up to us and it was a dad and two sons and the sons were like high-fiving us. They were like, we shot late season. We shot these birds. We haven't been able to decoy them. And you know, it, that, that, that stuff's pretty cool. So I think that's been, um, I think that's been the biggest kind of reaction and success of our customers. Of course, bluebird days, right? You have to have something when there's no wind bluebird days, that's a given. Um, but I think, I think with the really smart, educated kind of late season birds, man, it's, we, we've had hunts where it literally felt like it turned them into like opening day, like dumb birds just committing hard. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I think that's the, I think that's been the biggest, you know, positive or kind of expressed mm-hmm. plus of customers. Right, right. So you, you definitely used it for, you know, you said nine years now. And, and was your original spreader just the four decoys? It was, yeah. Yeah, the first time we ever tested it was four decoys. And we were on, I've, I think I've told, I may have even told you this story before, but I've t- definitely told it on other podcasts. I've, it's, we were in a part of the Columbia River where there's there was blinds every every couple hundred yards. I mean, probably... I'd say, I don't know, 10, 10 blinds down the river, just loads of loads of duck hunters, loads of blinds. And 
<laughs> we were not really getting a lot of action. We were shooting a few, mostly pass bys. And so, um, so my dad and I, we said, let's, let's just go try this. Let's just take just the spreader. We'll go down into this little, like, um, you know, this little kind of back eddy of the river and throw our spreader out and two other single decoys around it. And, uh, and man, we started shooting birds like crazy. Our friends from a couple hundred yards up river hiked down to us and we all hunted together. We shot a limit that day. We came back the next day. We only set up six decoys the next day, the same exact thing. And we shot a five man limit in like two and a half hours. Uh, following a day that we had sat out there for five hours and hadn't shot our limit yet. And the birds just responded so unbelievably well to just the motion. And that's when we, we looked at each other and we're, we were like, I, I, I think we have something here. I think this is amazing. So, and then even since then, we've had late season hunts that have been just like, it, it like flips the birds. And, um, and so I, I think it's, uh, I, I think that's probably when it's at its best, when you're hunting really educated birds. Definitely. Definitely. So like, like, uh, I've, we, we've talked multiple times and you've always told me like different t- tips and different, uh, tricks that you guys have tried over the year, but over the years, but like, what is, uh, you know, I, I'd love to hear, like, if you could kind of put a history together of, like, like you said, that first hunt, you're using your four decoys in the spreader, having a couple decoys on each side. Um, I've heard from, what do you call him, P- PT? Yeah, PT. Is that right? Yeah. PT. And he talked about, you know, the dog leash and the bungee and running, like, an eight yeah. point. And so, like, do you have, like, a history of, like, how you've started with it and then, like, of nine years of experience and how you use it now? Yeah, I'd say, um, so that initial story, when we just used the, the single spreader, that was our first time really like experiencing it in a hunt. So then that, that off season is when we started developing it, trying to find that spreader was actually made out of a big chunk of plastic. That was like just a big chunk of plastic holes drilled into it and old aluminum arrows by the end of the hunt, it was like bent up. Like the arms are all bent and everything. And we just had string coming through, like tied through. We didn't even have bungee tied through. It was as, as raw as it could get. And so after that, we started developing it. And at, in the middle of the development process, we were just looking at it. And we were like, let's, let's just connect to. Let's see what it looks like. And we threw it out. So my dad had lived on, um, on a lake at that point. And we threw it out into into his just kind of backyard area and a bass fisherman was coming by and he, he was watching us and he was like once he realized that it was decoys he literally said to us whatever you have right there i'll give you 150 bucks for it and we we're like what <laughs> and he's like i thought those were real birds and you guys were like i don't know feeding them or you know some bird whisper or something <laughs> And, uh, and his reaction to it was amazing. And so after we had done that, we were like, golly, look at how cool the motion looks and look at how much more random, uh, decoy to decoy gets when you connect them together. 
So with that kind of same mentality over the years, we've just tested a lot of different things. How can we keep it extremely simple to use, but create more motion and, um, and get more of the decoys in our decoy spread moving? Uh, and so that's, that's how we came up with the idea to run two ultimates uh, spread apart by some, some line and everything. And then, um, you know, and now we like, I mean, we pretty well, we'll still set out decoys depending on the, the time of year. Like early season, we'll definitely still hunt with static decoys. But as the birds get smarter and smarter, we are only hunting motion. You know, we want every bird out there moving and looking as natural and realistic as possible. So, um, you know, I think just over the years, we've our mentality has been, let's see, can we can we keep it simple? Because you can complicate things really quick. Like we've we've come up with ideas that like change direction and you got one spreader moving this way and one this way, but then you're getting into like overcomplicating the setup instead of it taking three or four minutes to set up. It's now taking 10 to 15 mm-hmm. minutes or, or 20 minutes even. And so those two kind of things combine adding more movement and keeping it simple. Yeah. I noticed that like the uh, more complicated setups where you have like the pulleys and the different stuff that I've seen over the years tend to be around permanent blinds yes. versus like us uh, plebeians that get to have to go out and find yeah. it on public ground. You know, I have to go out and throw out my decoys and everything every morning. So it's less likely to be used on the stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one of the things we were initially kind of worried about, like being this is manually driven, are are we going to be, is our market really primarily going to be the handful of states that don't allow electronics? And that hasn't been the case at all. And what we found in talking to customers was the, the normal guy that kind of the 90% of hun- hunters that hunt, you know, public land are out there grinding. They're not bringing a battery in right? They're not bringing a, a big setup in. And if they, if they are using battery powered stuff, the cold is brutal on batteries. The batteries die. Um, you know, they're expensive. They're cumbersome. You have to keep them charged. They're a lot heavier. So there's all these kind of components that made it, that makes it too difficult for a lot of hunters to use something that's overcomplicated. So that's been a huge part of our kind of focus. And that is the exact style of hunting that we come from, like battling out there in the, on the public land, trying to get to the boat launch at 3 a.m. to beat everybody else to be in line, right? Getting to the the um, game reserves early enough to get a good blind and get out there. That's kind of the style of hunting we come from. Now, with the property, that's kind of changed. We're definitely, definitely blessed to, to have what we have now, but the whole idea and development of the right. product stemmed from us being that kind of, uh, hunters. So, so then the, Definitely. you're talking about batteries and stuff. Have you ever used one of like the, I think they call auto jerk or like the designated jerkers or yeah. one of those it's systems before designated pooler is the company I've seen. Before. Yeah. Okay. Designated yeah. pooler. And I think auto jerk is a company as well, but, uh, so we're in Washington. We've, we can't hunt with anything like that. No electronics at all. Oh, so, no, we've never hunted spinners? like it. Not even spinners. Spinners mm-hmm. have to be manually pulled as well. So uh, so we've never hunted with that, but lo- we've had a lot of customers 
send us video and tell us, yeah, this is what we're using. And it, it definitely works well on those systems. Our spreader does, mm. but we haven't had experience hunting with that. No. Mm. Interesting. I didn't know that you guys didn't, you guys had the, uh, no electric stuff. I know that like there's places in Arkansas that do, but I didn't know Washington was that way. Yeah. Washington and Oregon are yeah. absolutely none at all throughout the whole year. California has some limits. Partial. Yep. Partial part of the year. They have limits and then Arkansas does. And I think maybe Pennsylvania has some sort of law like that, or I could be wrong about that, but I think there's one other state that has some limits on electric. Hmm. So, right. Right. And it's like you said, you can do it fine. Just, just manually by Mm -hmm. your hand. I know when I first started hunting and people, you know, when I first heard about jerk rigs, I was a little worried. I'm like, man, that seems like a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but like, and and there is more to it than obviously just sitting there, but, uh, it's well worth the return. Like once you start using it and you realize it's not like that big of a deal to, um, you know, pull a string with your hand. And like we said, you can get, if you have kids or young, young people, it's like giving them like a till whistle, yeah. just gets them involved. Yes. Um, you really, you know, you really can't screw it up and let, you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're doing something crazy. <laughs> um, so it's just, and- if you're worried about it, if you're sitting there at home, be like, oh man, like I'm not going to manually pull a string. It's like, do you want to shoot ducks or not? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it, the key. It's, it's just, it's well worth the return and energy to shoot more ducks. And, and on top of that, you know, you don't have to sit there and pull it like nonstop. If there's no birds in the area, you can take a break, right? Like a lot of times you can see the birds and they're like, okay, get the motion going. Um, ironically right. enough though, right. it, you know, with that mentality, a lot of the times, you know, isn't it the kind of the duck hunter thing? Like I, I go walk out into, into the blind and ducks show up, right? Like you hear right. that a lot. And that's, personally i think that's because you're putting motion in the water you're putting ripples in and ducks are coming to look and uh and so definitely i like to even when i don't see any birds in the air if i'm not running the the jerk line i like to reach over and give it a pull you know two or three pulls every you know couple minutes and just just to get some some action out there because birds do they certainly can show up out of nowhere Man, it's funny you bring that up because uh, one of the things that we do is we'll sit in the blind and we'll screw with our duck calls all morning. We'll just sit there and duck call and we'll we'll use the motion ducks and we're just sitting there jacking around. And it's surprising how often you're just sitting in the bottom of the the blind, screaming on a duck call, pulling the motion ducks. And you just look up and you're like, oh my gosh, you're right there. They're ready to come. Boom, right there. Yeah. Like, like, what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. You didn't set up nothing and then they're just all of a sudden here. Right. First thing in the morning, though, you say like you don't have to pull it all the time. We're so paranoid. I swear we're, we're just sitting there uh, at least for the first 30 minutes and that thing's not stopped. Like it's just yeah. going constant, constant, like because you're so because first flight is always, you know, it's typically good. It's the the highest likelihood. So we just guaranteed the first half hour, if not the first hour of shooting light, it's that thing's going nonstop. Now, yeah. after that, if you're the, if you're the pooler for the day, you know, you can have your break, but <laughs> yeah. if not, you're probably getting a bad look from one of the guys in the blind. Like, why are you pulling this, man? Like the, the ducks could show up. And yeah. They'll be here. They'll be here. No, I agree. I agree. Well, when it's hot, we, we don't stop. We don't stop. I mean, I'm talking, if you're having like, if you're out there and you're having like, you know, 20, 30 minutes in between, in between ducks, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> if there's birds in the air, that thing's moving. 
Nice. So what's uh what's the difference you kind of seen uh, between like ducks and geese in the spreader? Obviously, you know the geese have you know a bigger brain. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd assume. But uh, do you do you notice any uh, difference between? how ducks and geese react to the spreader. So on a personal level, I haven't had a ton of experience with geese coming in and landing on a spreader a handful of times that I can remember. Um, But I will say that we have a lot of customers that like swear by it if they're hunting geese over water. And actually the goose spreader, the version that's extra large for the larger goose Decos, we didn't originally have that. That was customers reaching out and saying, I put I put goose decoys on the regular spreader and the goose, the geese responded, awesome. They they committed into us. Can you make us this? That's how that product actually came about, was customers reaching out and saying, you know, my goose decoys are a little bit too big. So as far as from the customer base, um, it's, it's, I wouldn't say there's a ton of people out there that use it in that capacity, but the guys that do absolutely love it because there's not a most, the majority of goose hunting does happen over fields. So if you're in a situation where you're on the water and you can put that, that motion in the, in the geese, it's even more rare for the geese to have seen that. So, so yeah, I mean, right. it's been, it's been a huge success, a huge success as far as the, the goose hunting. Yeah, I'd definitely say, and I'm one of those guys that I prefer to hunt water, even though you don't get the big numbers, like your mm-hmm. field hunt is feast or famine. You know, if you're yeah. out there in a, a goose hunt in the field, a lot of times you can have those big bang them up hunts, but I, I, I don't know for whatever reason, like the water just calls to me. So I'm a yeah. goose hunter on the water. Um, a lot and I'm using the spreader even even if I'm just running ducks on it um, I do feel like the geese will key, key in on that and a lot of times mm-hmm. it's like you hear about people talking about with duck decoys and geese they almost shy away from it but like I, I, honestly with that motion I'll see them land um, like into the spreader and it's ducks and it's just like yeah. you know it's 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 pretty crazy so it's it it definitely um, it definitely works for geese just as well and here's your pro tip you do have the option for uh, the bigger spreader, like you said, going with that for goose decoys. Uh, but, you know, uh, FA makes the last pass goose decoys, which are a little bit smaller version. And those double pretty well yeah. um, when you add them on to the standard spreader yep. because they're, they're a smaller um, size decoy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you already got one and, and you're, you're in your late season goose season, like we're about to be in a couple of weeks, um, I'll definitely take my ducks off. Um, and add those last pass yeah, the goose on, yeah. um, FA honkers right on the spreader. If you if you have goose decoys, pretty well 21 to 22 inches and under is going to fit pretty well without like, you know, hitting each other, the decoys hitting each other on the regular spreader. That's what we've kind of discovered. So 22 inches and under uh, should work. When they're, when they're kind of that 21, 22 inches long range, it definitely looks, they definitely look close together, but go, go look at geese in the wild, right? And ducks in the wild, man, sometimes they're like on top of each other. So I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a negative to have them that close, but, um, but if you want them spread out, then uh, yeah, we have the goose version. So another, another, another thing I know we might, uh, I, I would definitely like to talk about this a little bit more, but our new adapters that we have for shallow water, 
Um, so at the end of the at the end of the spreader bar, there's that five inch piece that 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 bends up, and the adapters basically clip on here and here and 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 make it so that that five inch piece instead of folding up stays flat, and that actually adds five inches to the length of the arm. Uh, okay. So you can with with geese, you can actually utilize the shallow water adapter arms and clip those on and get an extra five inch per arm to to use bigger decoys. So that's an extra tip for those shallow water adapters because those shallow water adapters are nice, awesome. They are awesome. We have been using them a ton this year. Um, they've been very popular. People have used them because it gives you the opportunity to have the regular spreader and the shallow water spreader in and shallow water. We're talking that kind of four to 12 inch range. Um, and you don't have to buy a second spreader. Now you can just get the adapters and, uh, and convert your, your regular spreader to a shallow water. So, so they're, they're pretty sweet. They're pretty sweet. And then you have awesome. the extra bonus of that that so he, goose feature, right? Right. That's definitely a definitely a key point to add to that. Yeah. Being able to get that the added distance for those goose decoys. But but here's a question for you. Um, you know why why not run them all as shallow? Is there like you think there's a big enough benefit to having those um, deeper in the water? Yeah, we we uh, we talked a lot about this when we were when we were developing it. Like, do we even need this five inch arm? And what we discovered was there's there was three benefits to it. Number one, it, it gives the decoys a little bit more range of motion. So as you're pulling them, they have a little bit more flexibility to kind of move around. Some move this way, some move that way. Um, so we like that extra movement of the decoys. Uh, number two, it keeps the main bars, those black bars, underwater by about 10 inches. So if you're in deeper water... It, it keeps them underwater a little bit more, which keeps them a little bit more hidden. And especially if you have any like murky water at all, you know, once they're 10 inches underwater, they like disappear. Whereas if they were right at the surface, you know, they'd be more visible. So that was number two. And then the final thing was it, they, it is so, it works so well with dogs because those bars are 10 inches underwater. Dogs are able to swim right over the top of it. So we debated a long time. Do we include this five inch? Cause it seemed like extra for us. It was extra manufacturing for us. It was extra cost for us. It's like, do we even, do we need this? But after testing everything, we determined, yeah, that the regular spreader should have this because those three benefits are, they are pretty big. I mean, if you're hunting with a dog, it's pretty risky having a jerk string out there because, you know, mm-hmm. it could go, it can go bad okay. really fast. And so we wanted to try to fix I've that problem. Oh, so bad. <laughs> Even people walking <laughs> through it, you know, and you still have that with the string on our system. But as far as the, you're not going to get this like explosion of a mess because our spreaders mm-hmm. are solid and the dogs can swim right over the top. So that is, that's the reason why if you can avoid all three of those reasons, um, then yeah, you could just use the the shallow water spreader at all times. But I think there is definite benefit to the to those uh, you know that those extra benefits of um, or features of the regular spreader. That's why. So, so you guys were talking about dogs. I kind of got like a 
quote unquote pro tip. So this year when we were running the motion ducks, we ran it with like the anchor out in the back, bungee motion duck setup. And then as the cord coming back to our boat, cause we hunt out of a boat a lot with a dog. And as the uh, line comes back towards the boat, we actually put an anchor with a D ring on it and we just clipped the line through the D ring and then dropped the anchor in the water. So that way the line was buried and then it comes right up right next to the boat. And so that way it's like, it's pulling through it like it's a pulley, but it's able, we're just able to pick up the anchor when we're done hunting for the day. And I don't think we had, I don't know. I think my dog made like 160 retrieves this year. And one time she got caught in it. And that was just wow. because it got caught on her vest. It didn't even get caught on her. So yeah, we've been running the, like I said, we put an anchor. Sometimes it's four or five foot away from the boat. Sometimes it's 15 foot away from the boat, but it just makes it to where it sinks the line down. Yeah, and then the other advantage of that is, yeah, the other advantage is you don't get that like, I don't know if it matters. I really don't think it matters, but you don't get like that line when it hits the water, yeah. that kind of like makes like a line. That as it whip, right. We don't get that anymore yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Right. We've had customers tell us yeah, that, that they actually, that's a great idea. We've had customers tell us that they use leaded line so that when they mm. let slack, it, it sinks. So when they're, when their dogs retrieving, they just let a little slack in it and it drops. We've never tried that, but some people said they've done it. Hmm. Yeah. That'd work too. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. All the little kind of tricks you can learn over time, just like using, using a product and, and just fine tuning it for the, the problems that you come across. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah was, it's fun. I was bro- look, looking around on the website today and I saw you guys have like the handle stopper thing and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to have to find a way to rig that into my blind. So that way when we like let go yeah. of the handle, it stays in the blind with us. Yeah. So that's actually pretty new. We actually just released that a little bit, a little bit ago, maybe even like, man, was it, was it even this week? maybe end of, end of last week, it, but it's like a, less than two weeks old. And uh, that came about because we, you know, you're pulling, you're pulling. I like to put quite a bit of tension so that it's really responsive. So any, like if I let go, it's, it's moving the decoys. If I pull it, it's moving the right. decoys. But the consequence of that is when you let go of the handle, sometimes it blows right through the blind and you could just lose the handle. And so... Mm-hmm. That little stopper tool that we designed is is actually pretty slick. We've put it in all of our blinds, and it is awesome because you let go, and your handle just hits that stopper, and then you shoot, bang, 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 and your handle's always right there. Just grab it and keep going. Mm-hmm. So you can put a lot of tension on it and have your handle stop. And the way we designed it with the kind of the bungee and the cord locks is to hopefully be able to use it in any like blind situation. So you can wrap those, that bungee cord around, you know, the shrubs or branches or whatever. So you don't have to have like a, like a full real blind to use it. You can, you can Mm -hmm. wrap it up on anything and yeah, we love that thing. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Just anything to kind of, you know, solve those little problems that you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you Yeah. One of the other problems that we have running a jerk cord, like I said, we hunt out of a boat a lot is uh like when if you have to go get a bird that's fallen a long ways away you have to move the boat and so when i saw your handle thing i was like oh this will be perfect so i'll set it up on a pole i can just stick in the mud and that way i can let go of the handle and it'll still be there when i come back because we pull the boat away and then your handle's like floating around in the water you got to get out and go get it or find it it out from wherever it's at so yeah i hadn't even thought of that that's a fantastic idea Mm -hmm. right yeah it is so that way when we pull the boat back up, you just reach over, grab the handle back, and you're back into business. 
All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna add that to the uh, to the product page <laughs> as an option. <laughs> That's awesome. Speaking of new products, though, um, you had another cool one come out that you know, especially people with kids and, and hunter hunter families. Um, man, we got to hear about your card. Game. Yeah, the card game. Yeah, so the card game was um, something that. You know, so my son, he's nine, he's, he's starting to get into it. And I thought, what would be kind of a clever way to like teach him about ducks and identification and a little bit about hunting and, you know, kind of spur on some extra interests, like, like inside the home. And so my, my 12 year old daughter and I started coming up with this idea. We had these blank cards and we just drew pictures and we started coming up with this duck hunting card game. And we, we worked together on it for, I don't know, like a month. We'd play it each night and add rules and take away rules. And, and we settled on this game and we started playing it. And we were like, this is actually quite a fun little game. And then, uh, so then uh, we just, I, at that point, I, I had had, I made a really rough version of it, but they were real cards. I had just taken real pictures of ducks and sent them to this company and they made the cards and everything. And so we bought like two decks, I think. So with that, we were playing with my, with some of my family and everything. And, and just in, in playing with it and in talking about it, you know, it was like suggested, maybe we should try to actually get this, get this made. Cause it's quite fun. And, and especially for, you know, hunters that have kids, um, you know, it really is. I, I played it for like two weeks with my son and I, I'd say he could, he's pretty well close to probably like 60% accurate on his duck identification. It's pretty good. And he's nine. So that's been, uh, that's been fun, but, um, yeah. And the response to the game has been really awesome. So we did like a pre-sale thing and, uh, I mean, I think we sold like, around 300 decks in our pre-sale. And that was, that was awesome. Cause we weren't sure like how, how are people going to respond? Are people going to like this or like the idea or anything like that? But it's turned out to be a, a, a pretty neat deal for sure. And I think if you have kids, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Cause first of all, it's just a, it's a pretty fun game. And secondly, there is education in it. So it's, it's neat. Definitely. Yeah. It's super cool. I've, I've seen it online haven't had it you know in my hands or anything like that but just looking at it online it looks super cool um and it's one of those ideas i'm like man i'm, I'm kind of jealous i didn't think of it myself <laughs> yeah. because again it's like you said it's it's something that uh you know uh, i think as hunters we just kind of strive to to pass on that knowledge and tradition yeah. to our kids and um it's a fun tool and a fun you know fun way of doing it that they're going to be excited about too yeah. so um, well and like almost like at looking at it it's it's, it's almost like the card game war, but like with duck hunting mixed into it and, you know, even some other stuff yeah, added yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll send you guys some decks. We'll get the information after this, but I'd love for you guys to, to, uh, to try it out and definitely give your feedback on it because it's a unique gameplay. Like you shoot the birds and you collect points and you can steal cards and mm. yeah, it, it's, it's pretty fun. It's, <laughs> it's neat. And one of the cool things that I found with my son is when we shoot a bird, like uh, he's, he's come out a handful of times with me when we shoot a bird, I bring it in and he, he just wants to identify it. Right. 
he wants to try to get it right because it's because of the card game because he's starting to know like you know like oh okay now there's no hands in the game so it is a little bit and it's pretty much full plumage on on all the all the birds so it's definitely there's a lot more nuance to identifying ducks than the game but it's a good start and uh and for him he gets kind of excited You know, we, we shot a buffle head and he was so pumped that he knew what a buffle head was. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Super cool. So as far as products are concerned, I had one more product I had a question about, and that was the feeder system. I don't think I've ever seen a video of it. I don't think I've ever actually seen it anywhere but on your website. So what's that about? What, how does it work? What is the, the feeder spreader? What is that? Yeah. So the feeder is a system that, like, Two, de- two ducks and it pulls the, the ducks down and makes them a feeding motion. And the setup actually works like you described your the way you set up your jerk line. Um, you, so mm-hmm. if, the, if the, the decoy is here and this is the water level and the bottom of the water is down here, the line runs down first and then up to the system. So when okay. you pull, it's like kind of pulling down on it like that. So... Yeah, we, um, there should be some videos. Are there, I don't know. There, it's possible there should them. be some. Well, I actually really, really like, we need to get that. We need to like film a hunt with, with really, we've talked about filming a hunt with just the feeder. Um, the, the, mm-hmm. the thing with the feeder is as far as like simplicity of setting up, that's, that's one of the, one of the kind of the drawbacks you have to have like that kind of, 18 inches to five feet of water. That's like the ideal range okay. because the water, because the line has to run down to the anchor first and then back up. So you have to be able to set the anchor in the correct way. Um, so it's a little bit less versatile than the spreader, the spreader you can hunt in 50 feet of water if you have enough anchor line, right? Um, the feeder system, mm-hmm. you can't really do that. And it doesn't really work in shallow water either because it it V's down. It needs a little bit of depth to, to pull down and get that motion. So yeah. it's not as versatile, but the cool thing about it. Oh, and the second thing is you need a lot of weight because you're fighting the buoyancy of the decoys. So we use like eight mm-hmm. pounds. We, we really overweight it. And so that's a little bit, you know, that can be kind of annoying as well. But when you have the right setup for it, that thing can become like a wave maker because it's really tiny motion with your hand and the the decoys are just like bobbing and it's just like creating waves and ripples so Mm -hmm. it's it's really awesome in that sense that very little motion gets you a lot of ripples like a like a wave machine um and then it just looks really cool when the birds when your decoys are sitting flat and then all of a sudden they're up dipping like that and then they're down and they're dipping and they're down um, so mm-hmm. that's that system. Um, yeah, it, it works awesome. It's, it's really great. But, you know, when people are like, what should I get one or the other? I, I usually suggest the spreader just because it is so much more versatile. You can use it anywhere. Whereas the feeder, if you have the right spot for it, it it's a great product. Okay, cool. Yeah. cool. Awesome. Definitely. Well, we, we, uh, Definitely appreciate you jumping on here, Ben, for uh, another great podcast. As usual, you're, you're a great guest, full of information, and um, we definitely appreciate that time coming on and, and sharing 
uh, all your knowledge on your product. So um, can you let the people know the best place they can contact you, best place they can, you know, uh, look up uh, Motion Ducks and, and all that good stuff? Yeah. So uh, all the product is available at motionducks.com. And then all the social medias across the board are just slash motion ducks. So that's where you'll find us. And um, yeah, if you haven't tried the product, especially now that we're getting a lot of, a lot of people are getting into that late season. Um, definitely, definitely give it a shot. It's, it really works. It creates very realistic motion. And so uh, give it a shot. End of the season. Definitely. Yep. This, uh, this podcast is going to release just, uh, you know, uh, probably the day after Kerm- Christmas. Nice. So if you guys, hey, Merry you Christmas, Christmas, everyone. There's your, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas. If, if you get, you know, I get Christmas money from some, some people every year. Um, this will be a great addition to your set. Um, we actually have a deal for yes. the duck gun community. So if you go to motionducks.com slash duck gun over there, um, you'll get the free anchor bag. You can use the code duck gun 10 yep. over there as well. So you're going to get a discount, the anchor bag, the whole shebang. Um, it's for the ultimate spreader. So you can get everything you need um, with that discount code is going to be a little less than a hundred bucks. And so it's, you know, you can't go wrong yes. with this as something to add to your spread, add to your success and uh, not only shoot more mallards, but shoot more mallards close up finishing in your deal. Yeah. And, and to clarify, so, to get that free anchor bag with the duck gun deal, you got to go to that link motionducks.com slash duck gun. And that'll get you the free anchor bag and then the 10% coupon or a code as well. And that 10% code is good for all the products. So you can pick up the card game, the shallow water adapters, anything else, and you'll get 10% off all of that stuff as well. So, so there you go. Awesome. Definitely. All righty, fellas. Thanks everybody for tuning in for another episode of the duck gun podcast. Jordan and Hunter from the Duck Gun Podcast and Ben from Motion Ducks, and we'll see you guys on the next one.